welcome back to the next episode of Ranked. We're here to discuss and even list off some arbitrary list of either a franchise or director. Of course, joining me here to break down another animated franchise. Uh, he was here for the Studio Ghibli and here for the Oscar winners for animation. Uh, we are here to maybe look at the exact opposite of what would be Studio Ghibli and the winners for best films and look at possibly some of the worst films from the animation medium. And that would be the Illumination franchise, or I guess the Illumination studio itself. Uh, and to help break it down, it would be the king of animation, Trex. How are you doing? Pretty good. I, I've been excited for this for uh, for quite a while, possibly more so than Ghibli. <laughs> yeah, honestly, talking about terrible movies, it's even more fun than talking about good movies. Because I hate to argue and like defend movies. I, I prefer to just collectively clown on them, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's, uh, it's less enjoyable passionately explaining why a film is amazing, you know, compared to just vehemently shitting on a film you just don't have any respect towards. Like during the uh, Jurassic Park ranking, uh, I thought it was way more fun to talk about uh, the two newest installments of Jurassic Park than the original. Because no one's going to say, oh, I think the first Jurassic Park movie is overrated. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's not much to discuss. We all know it's a good movie. But then you can talk about how amazingly dumb Fallen Kingdom and Dominion are. Yeah, even if we all know Dominion and Fallen Kingdom are bad films, at least it's, it's fun to collectively hate on it together. It's kind of like a, you know, hatred is a great way to bond people. Exactly. Hatred unites us all. Yeah, and you know, we, we were united during Ghibli, and for the most part, I felt like uh, the three of us were united during the animated winners for the Oscars, but uh, we'll be even more united after this, Trex. We'll, we'll be real close after this. I, I can imagine there might be like a couple ones where we're just thinking, like, maybe one of us thinks that one of the movies is the worst thing ever, and the other thinks it's not that bad, and that's where a lot of the contention comes from. Yeah, biggest disagreements we'll probably have during the Illumination ranking isn't about us defending the movie, it's just maybe not hating on it as much as the other. Yeah, that'll probably be the biggest divide. Right. Yeah, so uh, how have you been, Trex? You know, we got 11 Illumination films to break down. Uh, is there anything you want to discuss before we dive into this? Uh, well, what's your history with the Illumination franchise? Of course, it's only been about a decade they've been around, but uh, what, what's your experience with them for the most part? Well, being a child in the in the 2010s uh, in the Western world, you probably have seen like at least one Illumination film in your life. Uh, and my first one was, well, the first one, Despicable Me. And that one, well, I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to it on the list. But I enjoyed it, so then you watch the other ones, and, well, as a kid, you really like them, and then you start to grow up and you realize, I don't really like this film in the same way that you would look back on a Pixar film and think, wow, this is still a really good movie. Like, when you go back to visit these movies, something's just missing, you know? Yeah, I would say, unfortunately for Illumination, like, 2010 is right when I stopped watching animated movies. I think it was the very last year for me. Like, 2010, I saw Toy Story 3, 
I saw Tangled, I saw Despicable Me, and I called it a day. I went, all right, this is pretty good. I think I'm done with animation. I'm an adult now. I'm 15 years old. I got to focus on girls and not animated movies. And so I kind of took a break from animation for about eight years. And I, 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 you know, I'm very much into it now. But I was very much in like a gray period for most of the Illumination run. So I haven't seen any of these films except for Despicable Me. Uh, until about 2019, I binged the two Secret Life of Pets for the podcast when we did the 2019 ranking. And then I've been watching them all as they've been released. But yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm not growing up with these. I've seen most of these for the first time in the last two and a half years. I'd, I'd say, like, I grew up with them because I, I, when I'm looking at them, I don't think there's a single one I didn't see in theaters up until I think it was after the first Secret Life of Pets that I didn't get, like, bored of them. I think, as you said, I kind of went through that phase where um, unless it was Rick and Morty or Family Guy, I didn't want to watch any animation, uh, so I just stopped going to them. Uh, I mean, I saw a few of the other ones later, but I did have to do a bit of catch-up for this podcast. Yeah, I think every kid goes through that phase where they're super into animated films their entire childhood, and then they think they're too old. They they, they think they're an adult. They're uh, 16. They're getting their driver's license. They don't have time for kid movies. That's for babies. We're going to watch Family Guy. I definitely watched that a lot in the uh, early 2010s, so, you know, I, I feel that. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, I, I've watched them all now. I can proudly put that on my resume that I've seen all the Illumination films. I'm good to go. So Trex came up with this great idea where we are going to be not doing the traditional order. And normally we watch and discuss good movies. So we go in the order of the worst to the best. But since this is Illumination, and I think this is a fun way to celebrate less, you know, exciting franchises and series. I think it'd be more exciting to go from the best to the worst. So uh, Trex came up with this idea and I thought it was a good one. Uh, we are going to be doing the opposite of most rankings. So uh, Trex, did you want to make a pretty pretty easy guess here? What was number one? Uh, number one? I mean, I think we both know it. It's, it's Hop. <laughs> despicable me yeah imagine the one non-animated film we put right at the top well it's kind of but not really we'll we'll get there when we get there yeah Yeah. because animation's for babies hop is for adults it's for the men (laughs) Uh, yeah I remember going to the theater and it was just packed with a bunch of frat boys (laughs) yeah yeah, to be fair, it would be a pretty good drinking game with the frat boys, so, you know, it wouldn't be too far off. But uh, I do think I saw Hop before uh, 2018. I think I saw it with my family once. So, you know, uh, it's a good Easter tradition. But, of course, in number one, we have the very first film that they released. It is easily the best because it's an actual function in film, and that is the one and only Despicable Me. Yeah, I think everyone can kind of if you've seen all of the all of their films everyone points to this one as being the best because this is during the era in which they didn't realize that they didn't have to try to make an effort they 
did they actually tried to make something good here. Whereas pretty early on, they realized if we just don't put any work into it, people will still pay to buy, pay to see it. And because of that, I think this film actually gets a lot right. The I think the characters are pretty fun. The I think Gru is a pretty good central protagonist who actually goes through a decently compelling arc with functioning emotional beats. Uh, the villain is decent. We can talk about him a bunch. And the minions aren't actually that bad in this one because they're much more downplayed compared to later entries. Yeah, Despicable Me is definitely the best that they've made. Uh, we both have it at number one, obviously. And I agree with everything you said. I think they actually tried to tell a story. They tried to have some interesting arcs for some of these characters. I think Gru is a pretty fun character for the first film. Uh, you know, he becomes an absolutely atrocious character later on in the franchise. But in this one, he's very fun. And I think the three girls with him are all very entertaining and relatively enjoyable together. I, I don't get too annoyed with most of the jokes. But uh, easily the best part is our boy Vector. Vector! With direction and magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> Vector is fantastic. I think uh, his entire arc is so funny uh, where he steal, you know, he, uh, he has the squid launcher. I think the fact that he's kind of the son of the big bank guy, you know, he's, he's, he's got a dad that's looking out for him. He can just do whatever he wants. Uh, and just his entire ego trip is so much fun. His crippling kryptonite being that he loves cookies is also fantastic. Everything about him is just insanely enjoyable. Whether it be a giant shark that just swims underneath him, everything about him is just over-the-top fun. Uh, and this is kind of what you kind of miss from most Illumination movies, where this film's very over-the-top, entertaining, and most of the rest of these films are very subdued. Like, it's hard to really hate on some of these films because they're so bland and boring. Like, they're so lifeless. It's, they don't even try something fun. And this movie definitely tries to have some fun. And, uh, you know, I'll give most of the credit to Vector. That's that's such a great point because, so, like you said, so many of the later films play it so safe and are so unremarkable because of that but this one felt like they were trying to be over the top and but i don't think they ever went to the annoying side of that um i think vector is honestly the best example of that because i feel like he should annoy me a lot more than he does but every time i watch him i can't help but crack up and even like the stupidest gags uh like the like the pajama bit i always I always giggle at. I don't know why. Yeah, they never take it a step too far. A good example would be the Despicable Me 3 villain, where they kind of try to go for the same vector vibe, but they kind of just cross the line too much, where it's just idiotic, and it drives me nuts how annoying the villain is. While in this one, I never roll my eyes when Vector's on screen. I, like, sit up a little bit and get a look excited when Vector's on screen talking about a squid launcher or the moon or what other concoction he's got going on. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, like, when he pulls up the cookies and he was real stoked to get the the, the one flavor he really wanted. I, just everything about Vector. He is like a man-child. It's fantastic. I also think it was really clever how I think... I don't know if this was totally intentional, but throughout the film you think like oh he stole the pyramids he must be like a master 
criminal genius. And then later in the film, it's revealed that the he's the son of the owner of the bank. So you realize, oh, that's why he's so successful, because nepotism. Yeah, exactly. And I also think that, speaking of the pyramids, I think it's hilarious that he just painted the pyramids blue sky just to blend behind his house. Like, <laughs> no one would think to look there. And also, pretty unique plot about stealing the moon. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think stealing the moon is fantastic. I think it's a very fun and reasonable like trajectory that these both these villains were going for you know he they both want to one-up each other with stealing you know he stole the pyramids group stole the uh you know the statue of liberty from vegas or sorry he stole the uh, the eiffel tower from vegas so um yeah (laughs) yeah yeah then the jumbotron yeah so they're both trying to one-up each other and really what's the best way to one-up someone than stealing an entire fucking moon? So it kind of makes sense with how goofy that beginning was setting it all up. Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. I think the moon stealing is a really great bit. Unfortunately, that's like the most exciting heist of the entire franchise. They peaked at the beginning. Like most franchises, they keep trying to one-up each other. Like, you know, Marvel, every fight gets more and more intense now every fight's like taken over the entire world at this point but in the despicable me franchise they steal the moon and then the next two movies they like don't really do anything like it's kind of funny that they really they, they went all out they they went to the peak in this one and they kind of been uh falling in a downward trajectory for uh the last few yeah i think honestly this film at points almost feels like an accident because of the track record they would soon go on to create uh and another element I do want to zero in on is Gru himself. I'm a sucker for bad guy going on a going through an arc to make him a legitimately good person. And I mean, we already got the better version of that the year this came out with Megamind. But I still think it's really done, well done here. And I think Steve Carell, like even in the other mo- the other much worse movies, I still think he does a great job voicing the character. Uh, I might disagree with you on that a little bit. I really noticed in Despicable Me 2 in particular, I thought his accent was pretty atrocious. I, I thought Steve Carell was terrible. And to me, it really felt like he was, just, he was just there to pick up a quick check. I don't think anybody cared during the second one. But in this movie, though, I will agree with you that I think him as Groove is fantastic. I love his accent in it. I think his character is super fun. And I, I agree with you. I'm a bit of a sucker for the very traditional bad guy becomes good guy storyline. You know, you, you do see it a lot at this point. It's a little cliche. But, you know, Megamind is one of my favorite animated films. Uh, probably my top 10 of all time. I love that film. And this movie, I love. I, I think it's amazing that Gru has this arc. It's super, you know, it's paced very well. I think it's a very fun arc for this character. Uh, I, I'm, I agree with you. I'm a, I'm, I'm a sucker for those kind of storylines. Plus, I don't think the kids are that annoying here. No. Which they definitely are in the later films. I agree with you. Uh, I think the the one with the blonde hair is a little annoying sometimes, but she's definitely the least important, so it's not even that noticeable. And I think the uh, the youngest one, you know, I, I'm not a sucker for kids, but I thought she was really adorable in this movie. Like, the fact that she wanted a parental figure and she got one, like, you're kind of excited for the kids. It's kind of uh, a great storyline for the three of them. So, yeah, especially in this movie, I think the three kids work really well. I mean, obviously, this was the start of the Dominions, which, again, like I said earlier, they're definitely not 
as central to the plot as they are later. I feel like everything we praise in this film, we have to specify it gets worse later in the franchise. But here, it's not so bad. I rewatched this one, obviously, and I was pretty shocked at how the minions weren't annoying. I thought, you know, going in, all right, well... I remember this movie's pretty good, but the minions are going to be a bit of a drag. But no, they're they're pretty fun. They're 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 not too shabby. Once again, a bit of a caveat here. We're, we're speaking very highly of this film. I still don't think this film is great. I, I don't love this movie. I probably don't. I don't even know if I'll ever rewatch it. But I think for you know, in comparison to the rest of these movies and for what it is, I do think it's a very fun story. Yeah, I I gave this a six out of ten. Yeah, uh, same. This is this is not like. Basically, if you were to rank any other studio's filmography, the top film would most of the time be like a 10 out of 10 for most people. But this, this is about as high as they go. Yeah, yeah. Let's say if we were to add this to the best animated Oscar winner podcast, if we were to add it to the list, it would have been in my bottom five. <laughs> like, this movie's pretty good, but it's nothing spectacular. I think this was the only. Illumination film to ever get nominated for it. Good, and it should be the only one. It should have gotten nominated. I, I, I think it's a pretty fun film. Uh, it was probably top five of the year. Well, actually, I, I guess. Oh wait, no. Twenty ten's a good. No, year. it was Despicable Me two. The first one didn't, but the second one did. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, well, uh, you know, maybe it was a weak year. I don't know. Toy Story three. Uh, well, we, oh well, yeah, no. Uh, the first Despicable Me, I'm saying, uh, th- th- that was a strong year because that had Tangled. Toy Story 3, Megamind. That was a pretty good year. Um, and Fantastic Mr. Fox, right? That's 2009. Oh, just kind of the year behind. But yeah, uh, overall, still pretty strong year. Yeah, I was just saying maybe Despicable Me 2 was a weaker year and it squeezed into the top five. I don't know. I forget what, uh, what year that came out. Looking at the nominees, uh, I think you're right. There wasn't a ton great that year. I mean, you got like The Wind Rises, Frozen... Ernest and Celestine, but other than that, not much. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, it probably just got there by default. Good for Despicable Me too. Good for them. The one win they got. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we can move on to number two here. Uh, might already be a big descent in quality, but we are going to be going to one of the two films based off of Dr. Seuss, and that will be The Grinch. So I have this at number three, and Trex has this at number two. So we're just going to be going down Trex's list here. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. This one, uh, uh, I actually neglected to mention that I did see this in theaters. I always kind of have a soft spot for films that I see in theaters the day after Thanksgiving uh, with my cousins, because, you know, there's always that one... There, there's always that one big animated movie like coming into theaters around that time. And when I actually watched this film, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. it. Again, it doesn't reach a very high bar, but I think especially compared to the first Dr. Seuss adaptation, The Lorax, this one, it has a few more redeeming qualities. Similarly to Despicable Me, I think the protagonist actually goes on a decently compelling journey. Uh, I think the animation and the aesthetics are actually pretty nice. And I think that the last 10 to 20 minutes of this film are actually really solid. They are decently emotional, and I don't know. It, it left a left a good taste in my mouth. 
Yeah, during my binge of the Illumination films, I've come to the conclusion that shockingly, I think Illumination is perfect for Dr. Seuss movies. I think they work with that aesthetic because Illumination, their animation looks so fake and so, you know, two-dimensional, so flat and boring that, uh, which I guess, you know, maybe doesn't really give high praise to Dr. Seuss because it is so vibrant and exciting. But I think it kind of works for like the plasticky fakeness feel of the Dr. Seuss stories. The colors are very over the top. It's very vibrant. Um, but I think the, maybe it's because it's really coming off the pages. I get the vibe that Dr. Seuss works pretty well visual wise. I feel like, yeah, I agree with you that the animation and the look of this movie and, you know, uh, my opinion, uh, the other Dr. Seuss film that they'll be making later on in this list. I think the look of the films are the best looking Illumination films that they have. I, I don't know why. I think Dr. Seuss works pretty well with this, uh, you know, very similar style of animation they have for every single movie. They don't really stray too much from their own formula. Despite it being animation, it looks the same every freaking time. But in this and the Lorax, I think it looks pretty good. I agree with you. I think The Grinch is one of the better looking movies Illumination has made. I don't necessarily like The Grinch. Uh, is that number three here? I don't think it's that great of a movie. I think I gave it a one and a half when I first watched it out of five. So I guess a what? Three out of ten here. Uh, maybe it's closer to a four. I like it a little bit more the more I think about it. But the character of The Grinch is so boring in this movie. It is so millennial like he drinks his coffee and he hates his life and he's just like a drag to be around and that's like me every day i don't i don't see myself as the grinch but maybe i am like he doesn't act that mean he's just kind of grumpy in the morning and he doesn't really like going outside and talking to people singing i don't like it when people sing at me i relate to the grinch like where was jim carrey's grinch that grinch is more over the top villainous where it's kind of comical. This one, it's just me with green hair. Like, I don't think he looks that different. Quentin hates the Grinch because he found it too relatable. <laughs> yeah, I related to this dude. I think that's kind of why I like it a bit, is because uh, this characterization does veer more towards uh, grumpy and... I don't know, like relatable instead of over the top cartoonish. I think both sides of the character have their appeal, but I kind of like how because his, I guess, pain or is a bit more relatable. His arc makes a lot more sense in that he learns to appreciate the happiness that's around him. I don't know. I, I, it's not perfect his arc, but. I, I like them. Yeah, I actually think the arc is decent. And I do kind of like that they went with a totally different direction for the Grinch. Because, you know, we've already seen the uh, the more unrealistic, villainous Grinch in the, uh, in the Jim Carrey one. So why not kind of take a different approach to it? I don't mind it. But when the movie is about the Grinch and the legacy of the Grinch is that he is so villainous and his heart is one third the size of a normal person... 
uh, you know, I just felt a little personally attacked. I don't think my heart's one-third of the size. I don't know what Illumination's getting at. Uh, I, I think Illumination hates millennials. I, I, think that, I think that's my guess. Are you taking the Grinch as, like, a personal attack? Yeah, I, this film hit home too much for me. Uh, how dare you, Illumination? I was expecting Sing 3 level of uh, approach here. I wasn't expecting to uh, get so personally attacked here. I don't know what they were doing. Yeah, I, I think... Another thing about this film is that uh, this goes for both this and the Lorax is that Dr. Seuss books were not made to be made into feature length films because they're short children's books first and foremost and there's just not enough content to put to make an entire hour 30 long story into you just can't turn it into that so what you get is just a lot of filler like I really didn't care about the little girl and her trying to meet Santa and I didn't care yeah. about him reuniting the reindeer family. I thought that was really pointless. And <laughs> yeah, it feels yeah. like a lot of time was wasted. Yeah, the reindeer family, I think that's why I gave it a one and a half, is so bad. It is so painful. It's so obvious that they're just grasping for time. <laughs> they're really just trying to drag this boy out. It's so clear because it is just so painfully obvious unconnected to the rest of the film it, it is true uh you do raise a good point illumination is pretty good at making dr seuss films in my opinion but it's probably best to just leave them untouched i yeah i don't know if we really need these in films uh maybe good little shorts like a 20 minute uh you know uh, maybe like a 20 minute movie would be pretty good but yeah uh, <laughs> i agree with you we don't really need to uh, be making these films because they really do try to grab anything they could to connect this and make it into a full-length film because man these dudes these films do drag yeah that's kind of all i have to say yeah and speaking of like 20 minute movie i don't know if you've noticed this but i rented all these films from the library so i get them on the dvd and on the dvds almost every single one of these illumination movies come with this little thing that says Oh, you can watch Secret Life of Pets, and it comes with three mini-movies. Or you can get the Minions, and it comes with two mini-movies. And they keep saying they come with mini-movies. But they're shorts. They're like six-minute shorts. I don't know why it bothers me so much that Illumination pretends they have mini-movies in here. They're not 30-minute movies. It's a six-minute clip. What are you talking about? A mini-movie. There's no, like, standard for what a mini-movie is. I don't know, but like, when they say mini movie, I'm ex- like, I thought, oh wow, really? Do they actually have like 20 minutes of like content in these things? And I, so I, I threw one on, I threw one of the uh, the minion ones, and I was like, oh wait, this is five minutes. What are you talking about? I mean, I like to think that a 30 minute like short, like a 30 minute short, a a small movie, and then the five minute short is a mini movie. I think that's a more reasonable scale here. Okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I just need to pull out a rubric of what qualifies as a mini movie or a short movie. But uh, I thought Illumination was trying to really inflate their ego here by saying, wow, if you, if you buy Secret Life of Pets on DVD, baby, you get three mini movies with it. And I don't know. <laughs> Did you watch them all? Uh, no, no, I, I watched half of one and I realized, wait, this isn't a mini movie, which I don't know why I'm complaining because I don't know why I threw one on and thought I was going to be watching a 20 minute clip of Minions. I don't know why I thought that was better. I, 
I feel like you were actually, this was a blessing in disguise, because instead of having to sit through 20 minutes of minions, you only had to sit through like five. Yeah, honestly, I don't know why I'm complaining. I should be thanking them that they, uh, that they, they made them short. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm just complaining for the sake of complaining. I, I'm glad they were only five minutes. I take it back. All right, so we can move on to the third film on the list. And coming in at number three, we are already returning back to the minion well. We have Despicable Me 2. I'm so, looking at my list. This is following perfectly with Yeah, it. Yeah, we're basically just following Trex's list here because Trex says this at number three, and I have this at number five. Not, not too much of a discrepancy there. All right, I've read your thoughts on it, and I imagine they're a tad different from mine. I was expecting to go back to this one and not like it that much. Uh, and while there definitely are problems with it, and I mean, it's definitely not as good as the first one, I think there's enough to appreciate here. I thought that I liked Gru in this movie again because it's just nice to see him... The first film was him becoming a better person, and this is him being a better person. And I actually really liked how he's actually like a pretty solid dad in this one. And I thought he worked really well off of the new character whose name I forget, uh, but she's not important. Other than that, I can't think of that much that I particularly like about this one, other than there's some decently funny jokes. There's a lot of, like, really crappy elements to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I have this at 5 out of 11. And I can just tell you right now, I kind of hate this movie. I don't think this movie's that good at all. I like, you know, that, that just kind of shows you how bottom of the barrel this entire list is going to be. But I think Despicable Me 2 kind of sucks. Like, it's not terrible. And it's a decent sequel, I guess. But the film's called Despicable Me. And Gru is kind of a simp. He's kind of a loser in this movie. I hate him as a character in this one. He's like, oh, I'm no, I'm no a superhero or something. Like, I don't like, well, he's a spy. He's in, like, the good guy club. I don't know what he's doing. I, I really don't get it. I like the inclusion of them having, you know, about the kids now wanting a mother, which I guess is just a repeat of them wanting a dad in the first film. But it, it's it's a good story i guess uh, i like her i like that Gru is trying to find a romantic interest now like that's fine but there should be at least some conflict of him maybe tempted to go back to his old ways or maybe like some kind of conflict of it like is he really like is he really a good person right like it's called despicable me the first film he tried to steal the moon he's not a great person in the first film and he learns to be a good person but if there's a sequel, there should be some kind of moral conflict, and there's none. He's no longer the character he was in the first movie. He is a totally different guy. In the first one, he's kind of got this, you know, clever attitude. He's kind of like a douche, He's which makes him fun, right? I, that's why I love these kind of villains turned good guys, because they're kind of assholes, but they mean well. In this movie, he's not even an asshole. In the second one, he's just walking around pretending to be a good guy. And so I don't really like it at all, to be honest with you. Most of the movie is pretty bad. I really hate the purple minions. Like, you know, you can really tell we're already, you know, getting sick of the minions when we got to start changing their colors and they act even wackier because they're purple. Like, that's when I really started to lose it. Uh, I hated those guys. 
now kids can buy two separate sets of toys. Yeah, it really did feel like, oh, now you can buy two types of minions. And also, I, I, this is a really good point that you mentioned as a joke. It also became very clear to me that they are leaning into the minion brand in this one. In the first film, they make some fun jokes. They're pretty fun side characters. In this film, not only are they more prominent, but they're in different outfits, right? You get the minion in the chef outfit, and he's making them food. You get the minion in like the life preserver, and he's the lifeguard. They start having these outfits on. And it becomes very clear to me, oh, so they can like sell like 20 different minion figurines with each of these outfits. Like in the first one, they like dressed up to pretend to be adults when they bought the unicorn, right? Like, you know, they had a reason in that one scene, but most of the time they just dressed up in their overalls. Uh, And this time around, they're in these little costumes for funsies for no real reason other than, okay, they're just getting merchandise. And it's very, very annoying. It, it's funny you mentioned that because as a kid i used to play this mobile game a lot called minion rush oh. and it's kind of exactly kind of what you describe where all the different outfits in this movie are stuff you can buy for the game i never bought any of them thankfully but you're a hero yeah, you collect all the different skins and you get to fight vector and el macho uh great game well, fighting Vector would be pretty cool. Uh, I'll give you that. But uh, I guess counterpoint to the Gru thing, oh, two counterpoints. One, if you want to see him grapple with whether he's a villain or not, you can save that for the hopefully excellent third movie <laughs> because they do do that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Sec- second point, I like to think, you say they're two different characters. I disagree because, for one, I still think like he... He's not a villain in this movie, per se, yes. But, I mean, that's what the first movie was about, him transitioning out of being a villain. But I still think he retains some of the qualities of it. Like, he's he's trying to be a better person, but he's still very rude. He's very uh, brazen about everything. He still has that sort of douchebag energy to him, but you can tell that it's the kids that have softened him, in a way. Yeah, no, that's fair. And... Gru's fine. Like, I don't really like his character in this one, but, you know, in comparison to most other characters in the rest of these films, and maybe that's why it's at number five, it's not as terrible. I, I think he gets even worse in the third one. But in this one, I think you can start to tell. I think Steve Carell is just there to get some easy money at this point, which good for him. I love Steve Carell. So you can make as much money as he wants from these. Uh, I'm happy for him. But, you know. Also, pretty big downgrade with the... Uh... With from Vector to El Macho, I think huge downgrade, and that's another issue. Obviously, if there's another Vector in this movie, I wouldn't really care about Gru. I wouldn't really care about the merchandise of the minions. As long as we had a real standout villain, I would be all for it. But the issue with El Macho is an issue with a lot of these animated films, especially around this period in the early 2010s, is they really liked the element of surprise. Zootopia, Coco, Frozen, which came out the same year you just said. Yeah. They love the element of twist villain. Oh, you didn't see it coming. And El Macho falls for the same thing where obviously it's El Macho. Obviously it's this dude. They mentioned it once and you're like, okay, well, obviously it's that guy then. Like you guys wouldn't mention this for no reason. And they're trying to figure out who's the secret villain in this entire mall, right? 
but they only focused on two. They didn't even, like, they mentioned the names of everyone else, but they never once focused on any of them. So they were instantly off the table. And the other one was so obviously the fake decoy. And they mentioned El Macho previously. So obviously it was that guy. And maybe, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe the five-year-olds were surprised by it. I'll have to get like a polling. I'll go to an elementary school and ask them if they were real surprised by El Macho. But I feel like they weren't. I feel like this was the most obvious case ever of the fake villain twist. And I hate that. I hate that we have to do this fake twist because guess what? We missed out on the first hour being about this iconic villain because he was pretending to be a normal guy. We had Vector for two hours last movie, baby. We had full-blown Vector rubbing his butt on a keyboard. We had full-out Vector for two hours. And in this movie, we had El Macho for the last 40 minutes. We, we were deprived of iconic villainry. Thankfully, that is also rectified in the third one. <laughs> yeah, honestly, why do I have the third one rated lower? Uh, <laughs> you're starting to convince me. It's better. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. Uh, I, it's, like, it's funny that you bring up the Disney... Uh, twist villains because i think this villain actually has the total opposite problem whereas with hans from frozen or the sheep from zootopia where it just feels like kind of an ass pull out of nowhere this was just again it, you said it, it was way too obvious where if he's not if the guy they introduce at the beginning is not el macho well then that just makes his character entirely pointless so you know it's him at the same time you know it's not the wig guy but then his character is entirely pointless because of that and yeah so when he's finally revealed you're like oh wow that's so surprising at least the guac hat the guac hat is cool it is pretty cool honestly i'm shocked some mexican restaurants haven't done that since this film uh because i feel like that was a big hit i feel like that was uh, the takeaway uh you know the youtube channel binging with babish i do not know Oh, he makes, like, food from movies, and he made that. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I would definitely get that if, uh, if, if a restaurant had it. Because, yeah, that is a pretty cool hat. All right, so moving on from Despicable Me 2, we are starting off a new franchise that they have in this catalog, and that will be at number four, The Secret Life of Pets which is uh, number four for Trex and number four for me. So I am back on track. I'm just killing it with these predictions. Yeah, yeah we're basically just discussing Trex's list. I just mentioned my ranking just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, this movie's fine. Uh, this is one of the ones I did not rewatch. I could not convince myself. I couldn't do it. I'm unable to rewatch an Illumination movie. I just don't have it in me. So I did not watch this one or Secret Life of Pets 2 for a second time. I, I tried. I did rent this first Secret Life of Pets. I was going to watch it, but I just didn't have the heart to do it. And um, I don't think I need to. I think I could tell you everything that happened in this movie. It's basically just like Toy Story, but for pets. And it's fine. I remember thinking this movie is mildly enjoyable. Uh, I think I gave it two stars, and I think I stand with it. It is pretty mediocre. It is one of the most boring and forgettable films you will ever watch. Uh. Yeah, that's about sums it up. I I remember this used to be one of the films from them that I used to defend a lot more. I thought it was kind of funny, kind of fun. Uh, but rewatching it, I just realized, wow, this movie is so forgettable, so lifeless. It's 
A lot of people say it's just Toy Story 1. I think it's Toy Story 1 plus Toy Story 2. Like the first plot, you got the two people who have to share an owner uh, learning to be friends and all that. And then the second plot is all of their friends trying to retrieve them, which is what Buzz and the gang were doing in Toy Story 2. That's a good point. I guess it does have a little bit of Toy Story 2, but... Yeah, I really did take it as just a complete stripped-down version of the original Toy Story. I'm surprised Secret Life of Pets 2 wasn't just Toy Story 2. I'm surprised it wasn't some prospector or some horse bullseye that the main character, Max, uh, was with in a previous television show or something. I'm really shocked that they didn't really go full out with the Toy Story lore. Honestly, they probably should have. They probably should have made four Secret Life of Pet movies and then a spinoff about Duke. Uh, afterwards, I think that would have been pretty good. I I think that this movie absolutely deserves to be compared to Pixar because it just feels like a lame Pixar movie, in the sense that you know Pixar always has the sort of it always feels like it starts off with a premise where like what if monsters lived in your closets? What if toys were alive? Uh, what if cars were alive? You know stuff like that. Uh, and it's like, well, what happens when your pet, when you leave your pets alone at your home? Uh, except they don't really do anything with that. Like, nothing in this movie is that clever that has to do with that concept. And there's nothing, there's no emotional connection to any of it besides, well, don't you love your pets? And as a guy that doesn't really like animals, I don't. This movie did not convince me to want to get a pet. But... Really, the title kind of threw me off. Uh, going into 2019, when I watched this, Instagram Life of Pets 2, back-to-back on a Porsche. I think I had a glass of wine watching both of them. I was ready to watch what I thought was going to be like a bunch of pets. When the owners left, they became like spies. I thought maybe it'd be, I thought it was going to be like a spy film or something where, oh, these pets secretly behind closed doors are pretty nutty, you know, like maybe things that go on around your everyday life are actually caused by these pets doing pretty wacky stuff while you're at work from eight to four. And, uh, yeah, 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 I thought Max and Duke were going to be like Phineas and Ferb. They make some wacky inventions. The cat is trying to call the owners over and then whoop, whoop, uh-oh, uh, it all got taken down. Uh, and so they don't get caught every day. That'd be pretty fun. I was thinking more Perry the Platypus. Oh, oh, oh like actual, like, yeah. Yeah, like spy like stuff spy with Perry stuff. the Platypus. Yeah, I guess that's oh, literally yeah, what it would spies. be. Yeah, yeah, the pets being spies, and pe- Perry's literally the pet. Yeah, I guess you're right there, where, yeah, I, that's kind of what I thought it was going to be like, where they come home at the end of the movie, and they're all just chilling at home, and they're like, oh, what do you guys get to? And they just bark, and they're like, oh, classic pets. You guys don't do anything, you silly animal. And the audience is like, ah, silly adults. They don't realize that the pets are secretly spies. Yeah, I thought this movie was going to be real wacky. I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of like Despicable Me, where, like, maybe they steal the moon or something crazy happens. Once again, Secret Life of Pets was the second Illumination film I saw. I saw Despicable Me in 2010, and then 2019, I saw this. And boy, what a letdown. Even though it's set number four... What a letdown compared to the original Despicable Me. I thought this was going to be the same kind of wackiness, and uh, it was not. It was very much just a play by the numbers. What is the secret to these pets? They talk to each other. That's about it. 
I think when you talk about it being very, it should have been very wacky and over top, over the top. I think it almost kind of comes close to it with that whole anti-human uh, animal cult that they interact with. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not saying that they're great characters or anything, but I found them kind of entertaining in just how like, bloodthirsty they were. I thought that was kind of funny, and if it leaned more into stuff like that, this could have been a much more memorable movie to talk about. It is pretty funny, and I really like the visual gag of the cute little bunny being this ringleader, this evil character. Hoodwinked did it first, but I do like that this film followed up with that idea of bunnies really are fucking assholes. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fun. Don't really have much to say because this film doesn't have much to say. Yeah, honestly, we put more thought into this conversation than the, the writers did for this movie. They really did just think, okay, we're going to do Toy Story, but with animals. And, you know, uh, it's, it's fine. All right, uh, might be the complete opposite of Secret Life of Pets, because coming in at number five, we might have a little bit more to talk about, at least I will, and that is The Lorax. So uh, Trex has this at number seven, and I have this at number two. Whoa, that's... Uh, I feel like I'm always the one rating these higher than you've been at this point. Now it's the reverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is why I've been off for the ranking so far. I've just been waiting for the Lorax, baby. I, uh, I, I don't love this film. I fucking love this movie. This movie's hilarious. Uh, similar to The Grinch, I think this film looks great in the animation department, especially, I think it works so well for the Lorax, how... And the city landscape being fake trees and fake plant life and fake everything. The animation style for your illumination looks pretty fucking great for because everything they make looks pretty fake. So I thought the style of the film worked so well. I think it looked exactly what I wanted a fake city to look like. Uh, everything about this film is hilarious to me. From the marketing aspect, which I'm sure most people hate, I think it is hilarious. Uh, Illumination is not in on the joke of this film. Illumination thinks they're making a real Lorax story about telling people about plant life and, you know, caring a whole awful lot, something will happen. They, they, they don't care about this movie. They, they pretend they do. But they, they, they don't give a fuck. They just want to make money. So what do they do? They slap the Lorax on, like, commercials for cars. That's hilarious. They, they have the hero of this film want to save the entire population of trees, an entire ecosystem, balances on the lead character wanting to get laid. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is the funniest plot line ever our hero just wants to bang some chick he just wants to bang taylor swift are you kidding me that's pretty relatable that's fantastic i would want to save an entire ecosystem of trees to bang taylor swift who wouldn't that's hilarious this entire movie is so funny to me it is so much fun danny devito plays the lorax hilarious i thought i thought the cast was fantastic i think the once 
bad guy song is hilarious. It's probably like one of the coolest songs ever. I think it's hilarious. Oh, everything about this movie is fantastic. I shit you not, every movie on this list, including Despicable Me, there was a scene where I was on my phone going, okay, this is Dragon. Like, I'm kind of ready for this to be over. I'm not having a good time. I had a fantastic time with the Lorax. I didn't look at my phone for a fucking second. I thought this film was so fucking wacky, so ridiculous. Oh, it was fantastic. The, the lead villain, like the, the real bad guy, O'Hare, controlling the air supply is so funny. I think he is one of the, you know, he's up there with Vector. Those are easily the two best villains of the entire Illumination series here. Like, I think O'Hare is fantastic everything about this movie i could not praise it more i gave it 2.5 out of 5 because this movie does suck i do hate this movie but i hate it so much i love it i love it baby okay i can't disagree with anything you just said (laughs) a lot of it is hilarious unintentionally so uh obviously them just kind of fumbling everything with the all the product placements there were apparently over 70 uh just in total that they put the lorax into i think just for me what i don't like about this film is exactly what i liked about the original story because as a kid i did not like the original book because it made me feel guilty it made me feel bad about what was going on with the environment and it made you want to help and that's exactly what it did such a good job of it was kind of it kind of just straight up told kids unless you kids do something we're kind of screwed and so they so what illumination does is that they take this uh they take this really interesting cautionary tale made for children and they just really sanitize it i think like you said before the main character all he's he's doing all of this just to get laid his entire motivation and that's pretty hollow and the there's just all the little details that they kind of got wrong like oh they don't even try to hot like in the original the onceler's identity was hidden to kind of be this it sort of symbolized how uh the destruction of the planet isn't just one person's fault but it's actually a combination of large corporations and society being complacent but instead they just a hip relatable dude and they make the new villain, who is great, but it just it's just someone else to point the finger at instead of taking on any of the blame yourself. And I could go on and on about stuff like that, but I just think that this film is designed to be as inoffensive as possible, and the whole point of the original is to be kind of offensive. Yeah, and to be fair, that, that is a great point, where after I watch Wally for like a week, I actually recycle. <laughs> you know, I actually feel really guilty about the current state of society like that's how wally is so effective and when i read the lorax when i was a kid because i was a huge dr seuss fan as a kid i feel like most people are and that's why these films keep getting made it's because every kid even now i imagine they're still growing up with these because they're so relatable even today's society i think they still have a lot to say and the, the lorax was one that really stuck out to me when i was young as just being really intense and really making me realize uh, how inconsiderate most of us are with our daily lives. So I think that the original Lorax does have a lot of meaning to it. And you're right, uh, this this movie does not. But at the same time, um, you know, 
the movie's fucking hilarious. So I don't really care. And at this point when I watched it going in, uh, I think this was near the back half of the films I saw for Illumination. Uh, I was not going into this movie like I was for Wally, ready to get inspired. I didn't walk in with high hopes to actually be moved by this movie. I walked in expecting a very boring film and was instead basically handed on a silver platter an absolute shit fest. Like, this movie is such a fucking joke that I just couldn't help but be thrilled, even by a little bit compared to the rest of these movies for how wacky this film really got. And you're right, uh, the fact that the Wanchler is the real villain. Obviously, what he did was terrible, and in the book, uh, they definitely stressed on that. As a normal guy, look at what he did and how damaging he was without considering the Earth. In this film, uh, he's not really the bad guy. He's kind of goofy and funny, like uh, the rest of the characters. The real bad guy is the guy controlling the air supply, and not the dude that made us rely on air to begin with. Like, you know, there's clearly a villain here, and it should be the Wanzler, but it's not. It's it's O'Hare, and O'Hare, despite being fantastic, uh, shouldn't have been as villainous as he was, because they did kind of take away from that. I agree with what you said. I also think the ending is just... I mean, I get it. The original ended on the whole ambiguous note of him getting the seed, and... I like how in the book that symbolizes how the torch is being passed to the younger generation reading the book saying, you mm-hmm. have to go out and do something. And I get that you can't really have that in a whole feature-length film, which probably means you shouldn't have made the film in the first place, but yeah. I get that. But instead, they just decide to cleanly wrap everything up with like chase scenes and a, and a song number. And I think that just massively devalues it because it's almost as if it's like if it's it's almost as if the film is saying, "You kids out there, you don't really have to do anything for the environment because somebody else will just go ahead and do it for you." And yeah, I think that is just the cherry on top of the cake there. Yeah. So you mentioned the ending musical number, and I do kind of want to touch on the music for this film because as someone that does not like music, I think this film has two fucking awesome songs one is the how bad can i be i don't know why but the fact that they have really the you know i guess the hero is the little boy but the wassler is just as much the protagonist as the little boy that wants to bang taylor swift is uh you know uh, they're both quite heroic characters uh one destroys an entire ecosystem and another wants to bang a girl so really uh you know pick your poison on who's more heroic they're both pretty great but the wassler is one of the protagonists for sure. And I think it's fantastic that he's the one that has the villain song. I don't know why. I think that's so great. Has Disney ever done that? Has Disney given their main protagonist a villain song? I think that's really interesting to show like the conflict of, you know, how morally flexible he is and how suddenly, you know, he's kind of the opposite of a Gru where he means well at the beginning and because, and despite meaning well, he's still a terrible person. Unlike Gru, who does not mean well, he means to be a terrible guy, but deep down inside, he's a good person. And so I thought that that was a really fun song. As soon as it started, I thought, wow, they gave the hero a villain song? I fucking love villain songs. Like he's really fucking intimidating in this song and it kind of shows you his descent to madness so i thought that song was very fun and on the flip side i thought let it grow the end song of the movie was a fucking bop i fucking loved that song it was the greatest ending to an illumination movie they've ever had 
Uh, say what you want about Despicable Me, uh, a great movie. But uh, the ending to the Lorax, uh, I, I know the ambiguous ending of the book is Fantastic Treks, but they obviously weren't going to do that here. Uh, the chase itself was dumb. But everybody holding hands and singing Let It Grow is so fucking stupid. It's amazing. And of course, uh, the, the main bad guy cuts in. He's like, nah, I say let it die. He does his own bit. That's yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, his let it die bit is so much fun. I also, I, I had to look up the actual lines here because I didn't want to butcher it. But I'm absolutely obsessed with the very beginning of the song where it goes, My name's Dan, my name's Rose, and our son Wesley kind of glows. What the fuck does that have to do with the rest of the movie? That's fucking so stupid. It's hilarious. Oh, I want to give a shout out to Wesley. I hope he keeps glowing. I love that guy. Again, I think that I agree with you that the songs do not need to go as hard as they do, but they do, <laughs> and you kind of have to love that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, the villain song is very good. And the end song, while well, I, I did criticize it previously, it is pretty funny, especially the let it die bit. Yeah, yeah the let it die bit's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, that whole ending song, and they're all like holding hands, looking at them planting a seed. It's so funny to me. I don't know why I like it so much. This movie is probably one of the worst, but to me, it's one of the best. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad you have it at seven. I was kind of waiting for you to have it down to like ten, but I'm glad that you can at least appreciate a little bit of this fantastic masterpiece. To be fair, like my seven through nine, those three movies, I think are pretty interchangeable in quality. I just picked Lorax as number one, because even I have to admit, like you said, the songs go pretty hard. And I actually do agree with your characterization of the Onesler. Even though I think it's a worse version of the character, I still think it's a unique enough way to take the character, kind of like the Grinch with in that movie. I agree. Uh, the Onesler was butchered as a character compared to the book. But similar to the Grinch, I kind of like just the alternate take of this character, especially in the movie. I thought it was kind of interesting that he means really well, but he doesn't really have anybody. He's kind of alone. He's literally hanging out with animals in the middle of a forest. And the only people he really has ever had to associate himself with were his family, who does not give a fuck about him. And so I think it's kind of interesting that he's willing to sacrifice his morals to make his family proud. And despite them not giving a fuck, I think it's really fun that, you know, a character will willingly be so flawed and willingly ruin an entire ecosystem just to make his mom proud. And I think that's pretty funny. Uh, I think it's an interesting, uh, borderline cringy as hell storyline for the Wansler that for me, uh, somebody that was like two glasses of wine into this bad boy worked pretty well. <laughs> I, I liked him. Would you say that you're part of the Wunstler fandom now? Uh, yeah, I, I believe, I don't know where, I, I looked up a lot of Lorax videos afterwards on YouTube, and one of them did mention uh, the Wunstler fandom. And you know what? I stand them. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Yeah, I'm part of the Wunstler fandom, sure. Nice. <laughs> uh, one last note I want to say about this movie. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but... Why does Danny DeVito, even in the realm of animation where you can make him literally anyone, he is still stuck to playing almost exclusively short, fat people? Yeah. You got the Lorax, you got Hercules, you got Space Jam. Like, they, they, Hollywood refuses to cast him as a tall guy. 
yeah, I, I think that's what makes it really funny as well. I, I think it's fun when animation studios do that. Like even, uh, what's the actress's name? Jane Lynch in Wreck-It Ralph. It's literally just Jane Lynch. Like they literally can make you look like whatever you want, but they studios still make them just look like the celebrity, at least shape-wise at times, which is, which I think is pretty comedic. Yeah, so, you know, uh, I'm here to stand the Lorax. Uh, anything about that film, I will back up wholeheartedly. But we can move on to number six here. And it's the most recent Illumination film going up until we reach the uh, Minions 2. But that's going to be the other sequel, Sing 2. So uh, we're kind of back on Trex's list here. He has this at number five, and I have this right on the money at number six. Obviously, we'll talk about Sing when we get to that movie, uh, but I did not like that movie at all. I think it's boring, cliche, just about any insult you can hurl towards these movies. I didn't like it. Sing 2, um, I think, is definitely an improvement. Obviously, it's not a drastic improvement. I still think this is like a, a 4 out of 10 movie, but I think there's more to like here. I think that when you remove the terrible characters from the really awful story of the first film, I think they're given a lot more to do, and I think they're a bit more interesting in this film. I think the story here is a bit more solid, and I, I like that it relies less on the whole them trying to achieve their dreams type deal. I don't know. It, it feels like there's more story to work with here, and that's really the only noticeable change, but it's noticeable. Yeah, I think we're very much on the same page, which is refreshing because if anybody listened to the 2021 ranking podcast, I was like the sole defender of Sing 2. The other three people on that podcast hated this movie, uh, and I don't even think it's great, but I think it's pretty fun. I think for Illumination, this is a pretty decent step up, especially compared to the first one. We'll get to that soon, but fuck that movie. Uh, but Sing 2, I think it's relatively enjoyable. I mostly just really like the wolf. And to be fair, uh, a quick aside, I pretty much like every character they add in this film. I hate almost every character that returns from the first movie. I, I hate almost every character in that film. And when they return, I still don't really like any of them in this movie. But most of the added characters, I think are pretty fun. Number one on the board is the wolf. I don't know why... Uh, maybe he's my third favorite villain of the entire Illumination world. I guess we're kind of doing a villain ranking along uh, the movie ranking, but I think the wolf Vector is pretty one. fun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Vector 1 uh, for me, O'Hare number 2. Uh, you know. Sure, I, I put him there too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah O'Hare is iconic. Um, but I really like the wolf as well. I think just the bit, I don't even know if it's intentional by the writers. Probably not. I don't think they think this far ahead. But I just really like the idea that he will never kill somebody unless he throws them off a super high building. I don't know why it's, maybe it just gets him going, but he has the koala dead to rights. He's about to murder him, but he gets called to go do something. And he's like, ah, I'll throw you off the building later. I'm, I'm not near the window yet. And so he leaves him in like a closet and obviously the koala escapes, but the wolf literally was going to kill him. But because he wasn't near the window just yet, he was like, okay, hold off a second. I, I want to really enjoy this moment. I want to see you fall, so I'm going to throw you off the building later. And then later in the film, he has the koala on the big escalator on stage, right? And he's like, could literally kill him. The dude has claws. He has a 
giant jaw of teeth. What does he do? He goes, all right, baby, let's bring this boy to the top. And he moves the elevator all the way up, goes off like a diving board, and then drops him. Like, he has this thing with dropping people at an unreasonably huge height. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know why it's so funny to me that the wolf needs to throw people off high distances. It makes no sense. I don't know why he doesn't just murder the guy. Uh, it's his bit. Maybe he gets off to it. Maybe he, like, goes <laughs> home and he, like, thinks to himself at night and jerks it off. Like, yeah. Fetish? I, what the fuck? Yeah, maybe he's got, like, a weird height fetish. Like, I don't know what. But this dude really likes to throw people off high buildings. Maybe, maybe it's, like, a guilt thing. Like, in his mind, like, if he were to strangle him or, True. like, shoot him or something... He'd feel bad about it, but if he throws him off the building, it's like, I didn't kill that person. The ground did. The cops can't arrest me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he likes to go home and his mom, you know, maybe he lives with his mom and she's like, oh, how's your day today? And he can say he's fine. Hey, I didn't do anything. The ground killed the guy. I, hey, my hands are clean. Don't worry, Ma. I, I, I had a great day today. I did my ABCs. Uh, it, it was a fantastic day. But if he had to murder someone with his bare hands, uh, you might be you might be onto something. Uh, you might have this conscience over him. Uh, you know, uh, something that the Wunstler didn't have. He has this conscience of, oh my gosh, should I really be doing this? He has more morals than the Wunstler. That's what I'm learning. They should have given him a villain song. I think then I'd be more sold on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They, that's true. The movie's literally called Sing 2, and he does not sing a villain monologue. Get out of here. Well, to be fair, it's called Sing, not because they go to the effort of writing original songs, it's because they just license out a bunch of other songs. Yeah. Yeah, that's why the Sing movies suck. I, like, I don't need to listen to the top 40. I don't know what any of these, I've never heard of any song in Sing 2. Sing 1, I think I heard one or two of them before, they sound familiar. I'm not shitting you, Trex. I don't know a single one of these fucking songs in Sing 2. I don't know. Not even the one he sings in the diner? Uh, I think when they had, uh... I don't know. I think there was one where it was like a quick five second song of like some people on stage, like one of those bits they do where early on there's like people on stage practicing a song and everyone's supposed to go like, oh, wow, this team isn't going to be as good as the sing team. Like, you know, one of the other international teams. I think maybe I recognize one song early in the movie, but man, I don't know. I, I, I recognize very few. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not a, not a music guy. I also think that I don't really like how in the because in the first movie the koala lies to everyone saying oh there's going to be a huge prize when in actuality it's not that big and this one they continue that sort of liar reveal type deal but at this time he it involves this entirely different person who wants nothing to do with anything so what do you do you just go and harass him a bunch and then bring up a bunch of shit about his past until you essentially guilt trip him into coming. And that works and is rewarded, and I think that's kind of stupid. Yeah, most of the movie's pretty fine. Uh, I have this at six. It's uh, it's it's not great. I don't really love this movie that much. I, I I'm kind of I put it at number six mostly just for the wolf. I think he's pretty funny, and and the baboon with the big ugly nose. I was kind of on his side. Screw the screw the the gorilla. Is 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 that what he is? Uh, screw that guy. I'm I'm team baboon. He was way cooler. Exactly. Overall, yeah, just kind of another really mediocre one. I don't think we're quite in the awful, terrible zone quite yet, but I think we're almost there. Yeah, this is kind of the happy medium before we get to uh, a lot of a lot more of the stinkers. Actually, I'm looking at the list now, and I think for me at least, the rest are stinkers. 
I agree. Uh, my top six are the six we've already discussed, and I kind of agree with you. I think there is a big dip in quality for these last five. Yeah. Yeah. So we can, uh, speaking of the bottom five, let's move on to the one that we have in seventh place, uh, which at this point is the fifth worst, according to us. Uh, we have cracked the top five here. And we are returning once again to the Minion Well with Despicable Me 3. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have this right on the money. Uh, you know, we're kind of following my list now at number seven, and Trex has it at eight. Yeah, th- th- this movie kind of sucks. I think it, at least the other two felt coherent, and they tried to evolve some of the ideas from one film to the other. This one just feels like Illumination sat down and was like, okay, we got this super profitable franchise let's just kind of throw a bunch of shit at the wall see what sticks uh cobble together a bunch of loose dumb plot lines like now he has a twin i guess it's hard to even say if that's really like a cliche nowadays it's just a stupid plot line and they never should have gotten past testing because it's so dumb and there's all these side plots i think that's honestly my biggest problem with the movie it's just there's so many there's way too many side plots for a 90-minute movie where each character has to have their own little journey, and most of it is completely non- inconsequential. Like, the little girl tries to find a unicorn. Uh, the one girl is sad that she's not being a good mom. The other is fending off some weird, creepy boy. And the minions obviously have to have their own subplot, and we have to spend a lot of time on South Park main villain and... It's, I think it's just a mess, honestly. Yeah, I remember when we were discussing Despicable Me 2, uh, all my complaints about that one, you were bringing up, uh, they kind of fixed them in this one. And for a second, when we were in that discussion, I, I did actually think, wait, did I have Despicable Me 3 too low? Because you're kind of right. They do kind of have what I was looking for. And then I'm glad you went first, because you just listed off all those side plots, and I almost forgot. This movie does fucking suck. This movie is terrible. I hate this film. Uh, all those side plots are so bad. The mom being like, well, am I a good mom? Who gives a fuck? And then the get, the girl's looking for the, the unicorn and the other girl fighting off some creepy guy. Like, what is this? It's just a bunch of shorts. It's a bunch of Despicable Me mini movies uh, put in the actual movie. Like, they really had no idea what they were doing with this. Uh, the Gru versus Drew storyline which is the main storyline here obviously since screws the hero is so bad it is so stupid i remember when i was a child a literal a literal child i would drink my milk when i went home for dinner i would do my homework i would put my soother in my mouth and suck on it like a baby i was an idiot and even when i was eight i thought to myself you know it would be really funny if the first movie the bad guy's name was Mel. This was an idea that I had. I was going to have these heroes take down a bad guy named Mel, and then they kill him. And in the second movie, his brother Kel is the bad guy. That, that, that was my idea. As an eight-year-old child, I thought Mel and then Kel. That is the dynamic duo that our heroes will face. And then I grew to the age of nine and realized that was the stupidest thing ever. But no, Illumination actually thought that was a good idea. And they had Gru and then Drew. And they are identical brothers. And one of them is the bad guy, and one of them is a good guy. And it's a fun idea. 
I, you know, I, I get, I guess. It's really not that fun of an idea. It'd be like a fun spin-off of like a TV show, like an ep- one episode of, oh, imagine if you had an identical brother. But it, it's pretty painful to have not one terrible Steve Carell performance, but two at this point. It's pretty dreadful. It's almost on the same level as the Princess Switch level of bullshit, where you're kind of just sitting there going, okay, they're really out of ideas at this point. We are on the third movie, and the well is far past being dry like they are out of water and they're just going with the flow they're dehydrated they're seeing a mirage they have no idea what they're doing with this yeah i think just everything here drops the ball it feels like it's trying to recapture the magic of the first one but at the same time not really like i mean we made this comparison already the the villain what's his name mustache guy south park whatever like the 80s themed guy which is such a lame theming for a character and he's just not that funny you can tell the voice actor doesn't give a crap and i there's just nothing to him and then there's all that stuff where Gru gets fired for no reason and he's super upset about that and that's when i will agree with you and say yeah this is a completely different character from the last few movies where he's super motivated to get his good guy job back. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, I just looked up the character's name. I believe it's Balthazar. Yeah. Which isn't as funny enough. as Vector. It's a little too much, Balthazar. You know, a little thick on the mouth there. Right. Yeah, uh, which to be fair, uh, I don't mind Balthazar. I like the 80s theme. I think it's kind of funny to have a villain that's from the 80s in modern time. Like, I just think it's kind of a funny concept that he's fighting a bunch of people in modern time and he's just, like, making old 80s references and he's, like, wearing this old 80s getup. Like, I think it's fun. Everything about this guy could work. He is kind of a knockoff vector and that's constantly in my mind throughout. It's like, okay, he's clearly just, like, you know, the no-name brand vector for Despicable Me 3. But... Really, the part that I hate so much is his catchphrase. I hate, 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 hate the word daddy. It is, it is my kryptonite, all right? Uh, you know, some other people might have something else. For, for me, I hate that word. A shiver goes down my spine when that word is said. And that's his catchphrase. Or sorry, oh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, what's his catchphrase? I was thinking, like, what are you talking about? Wait, no, what is his catchphrase? It says I'm a bad boy. Oh, you're right. Sorry, which is which is sorry, which <laughs> is still creepy. With daddy, I thought he said I thought he said daddy law, but no, you're right. It's been I've been a bad boy, which I guess. Sorry, let me clarify. This is gonna be a therapy session quickly, Trex. All right, I, I gotta quickly defend gotta defend I'll, myself I'll here. All right, this. okay, thank you. So I used to live with somebody, and he would bring girls over, uh, pretty regularly. You know, he was a bit of a stud. Uh, he probably had a girl over once a week if I'm, you know, at least, you know, that, that's on a slow week for him. Maybe during winter, he'd have one a week. And he loved the word daddy. It was just oh, his, no. it was just his thing, right? So I heard that word a lot. And it's now, and that is why it sends shivers down my spine. I get, you know, I, I, I shiver. I kind of cringe a little when I hear that word. And so my apologies. He does not say the word daddy. He says, I've been a bad boy. It's not as bad as daddy. 
Anything to do with those lines, I just, I, I can't hear it. It, it. It's too sexual. It is too weird for me. I know it's a kid's movie, but they clearly played into I've been a bad boy as like a uh, wink to the adults like, oh, isn't this sexual? Isn't this funny? And to me, I hate it. It, it, it is gross. I, I don't like that catchphrase. Well, I, to be fair, you're right. They're, they're in the same lane, you know, daddy, mommy, boy, girl. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, I I really don't think I hope no kids are listening to this now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. If you are under the age of ten listening to this, I do apologize. Um, but you shouldn't be watching Illumination movies to begin with, so that's on you. Go watch some Pixar. Yeah, but not not the bad Pixar, the good Pixar. Yeah, trust me. In the Studio Ghibli and the Pixar ranking podcast, I have. I do not go into my therapy sessions. It's a lot safer there, just like the movies. Uh, yeah, it's also, I think to add to your point, it's also, you kind of conjure that sort of image with those types of words because it's the South Park guy saying it. So that fits right in line if you're familiar with the show. I'm not super familiar. I've seen a couple of episodes, but yeah, I'm not too familiar. You know it's like super vulgar and crass and all yes. that. I was not a fan of that catchphrase. When he said it once, I was like, oh, I hate that. I hope he doesn't say it. And then, like, a minute later, he said it again. I was like, oh, no, it's his catchphrase. No, this isn't good. Yeah, uh, definitely not as good as Vector. Now, every time I watch this film, which I'm sure would have been plenty of times, I'm <laughs> yeah. going gonna, gonna to think of this. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I hope anybody watching Despicable Me 3, which hopefully isn't that many people. Uh, yeah, you know, you can now remember that story. Yeah, and like and now I'm living in college, so who knows if I'm gonna have an experience like that with like a roommate? Yeah, this is why I would probably recommend only roommate with people you know beforehand. Which to be fair, I didn't know. Like you know, he's he's, he's a pretty good friend of mine. I and I, I I still love the guy. Um, but yeah, you never really know who people truly are until you start living with them. You start to learn a lot about them. Very true. <laughs> Which, yeah, uh, you know, which is kind of the fun of it. Uh, you know, it keeps a little mystery going uh, with who you're rooming up with. Uh, you know, that's why living on your own ain't too shabby. Yeah, I got solid roommates. There you go. You're, you're good to go. All right. Uh, we can move on to number eight here, the fourth worst Illumination film, according to us. And that is going to be The Secret Life of Pets 2, which uh, Trex has at number six. And I have... At 11. This is my least favorite Illumination Ooh. film. Damn, really? I mean, I, I do not like this film at all, but is it the worst? Yeah, and once again, uh, this is one of the ones I have not rewatched. I saw it in 2019, and I just can't ever force myself to watch it again. Uh, this is one of the worst films of all time for me. I, like, I just genuinely hate this movie, and maybe this is because I saw Despicable Me, which I thought was okay, which I thought was good. Secret Life of Pets, which I thought was okay. And so compared to those two, when I went to this one, I thought, oh, wow, Illumination is truly terrible. Like, this movie is absolutely brutal because this film is like three 20-minute episodes you would find on some shitty kids show that they threw together and made money off of it. Like, this isn't a movie. This is three pretty terrible storylines just thrown together with no connection to each other at all. Like, these three storylines have nothing to do. They kind of throw them together a little bit in the last 10 minutes. 
but most of this movie is clearly just, eh, whatever. Just have this animal do that. Whatever. Who cares? Doesn't matter to us. Like, it is, it is so painful. It is so uninspired. It is one of the least thoughtful films I've ever seen. Like, they literally do not care. They genuinely, watching this film made me realize there are actual people out there that just threw this together. They knowingly had a piece of shit on their hands. There's no way someone thought, oh yeah, that's a movie, baby. Secret Life of Pets 2. No, no, they knowingly made garbage to make money off of it. Like, it's so clear to me. Like, at least something else has some kind of storyline. Even Hop has something. At least it has, like, a bunny rabbit that goes to, like, I don't know, the Playboy Mansion. It has something they thought of. At least... Yeah, at least Minions has, like, a wacky idea of what if one minion was really big. At least it had, like, a thought, a concept. This movie had nothing. It had nothing. Yeah, it, this definitely feels like the laziest movie they've made just because of how strewn together it feels with how it, it almost feels like an anthology. Like It's almost Pulp Fiction-esque because none of the stories... They kind of have something to do with each other at the end, but not really. It's just clear that they didn't want to go to the effort to making an actual interconnected script where there are side plots, to be sure, but they all have to do with the same main goal. No, it's just these characters are going off to the farm. These characters are trying to get some ball back. These characters are doing something with a tiger. It's just... It felt like... like you said it was like a TV show. I think it's... Similar to that, but I also think it feels like one of those Disney uh, straight-to-DVD sequels just because of how how much it felt like they just were not giving a shit and they just wanted to push something out there for the sake, for the sake of something for kids to look at. And, but that's, that being said, at least those, those straight-to-DVD sequels are based on good movies. This absolutely is not. Yeah, yeah. this movie just genuinely insults my intelligence. Like, this movie really did go, Hey, Quentin, I just made you waste two hours of your time watching fuck all. Like, they literally did not care. They literally just made something to waste my time. They, there's nobody that made this and thought to themselves, Yeah, this is going to be good. Nobody thought this was going to be good. They literally made this for people to consume. It, they, you know, it's some dude in the back of a McDonald's throwing together some shitty cheeseburger. He dropped the bun on the floor. He put the mustard on the package, not actually in the burger by mistake. The, the, the kid doesn't care. He makes 10 bucks an hour. He's just going to throw it together in a wrapper and call it a day. He doesn't give a fuck. Why would he? Why do they give a fuck? Why, why do these people care? Secret Life of Pets too? Ah, whatever. Just wrap this up together and just fucking eat it, you pigs. You enjoy that fucking movie, you pathetic loser. You're gonna watch it, and you're gonna enjoy it, and you're gonna buy a t-shirt of it afterwards, you pathetic idiot. That's what this movie is. This movie does not care. It just made something for us to literally pay and watch it, and they just don't care. It is the biggest example of an industry that does not give a fuck about film it's insane. And this movie is one of the most insulting things I've ever seen because it's so, so pathetic. Not even an ounce of genuine thought, not even like a character arc 
there is no work. Like you said, it's an anthology. Each character has like five minutes, maybe 10. Why not? One's at a farm, one's with a tiger, one's looking for a ball. What does the ball have to do with the farm, you ask? Um, the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. That was a pretty damn good rant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I haven't seen this since yeah. 2019, and I still remember fucking... I hated this when I first saw it. I actually almost gave up on film. It made me hate movies that much. I thought, wow, the industry really hates us, don't they? They, they really made this fucking piece of shit. Uh, yeah, it was That'd terrible. Be hilarious if your Letterboxd review was just... Guys, this was my last review, unfortunately. <laughs> Secret Life Pets 2 made me give up on life. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty funny if that's the last review I ever wrote. could nitpick a little bit about this movie, but I think you've just sort of created this all-encompassing thing of they just did not give a shit, so it's not... It doesn't even feel worth mentioning. I think the only thing that I would want to mention about this film is... Like, why the hell is Harrison Ford in this movie? He's just so out of place. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I can't believe he was in it. That that's a real insult. That this might I'm actually there. be the only animated thing he's ever done. Wow. Like, I looked look through his filmography. This is other than some like eighty Star Wars thing. This is the only animated film he's ever done. And of all the films, because he's not a very active actor, why did he come back to this one of all films? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. Uh, and he's in the worst of the three storylines. I fucking hate the farm storyline. How would you rank so them? Uh, I would probably go farm is the worst, then the ball, and then I guess the tiger one, because like, I guess stuff happens in it. Like it, Stuff moves around pretty quickly, so you're like, wow, something's happening. Also, I, I, this, this, is also, this goes much more for the first film than this film, but is it just me, or why does every film with like pets and animals the villain is always the dog catchers like maybe this is just an american thing but i've never noticed when was the last time you actually ever saw a dog catcher and an entire organization dedicated to dog catching that's a good point actually i don't know a single dog catcher i i've never seen one um once again i, I live in canada so maybe the united states is just filled with dog catchers the, the dog catchers abound it's kind of like a starbucks where every corner you just see a dog catcher there ready to go they're really killing small business down here because they're taking up so much of the space <laughs> yeah yeah i don't see any and that's a good point most animal movies the villain is a dog catcher which i never really thought about until now but like i i'm struggling to think of a animal movie that doesn't have one well, I think, I think there's, there's actually, actually one coming up that technically doesn't, but it wouldn't make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. So we can move on to number nine here. And uh, it's a bit of a unique one. Uh, one of the only Easter films ever made. One of the, well, the only live-action film Illumination has made up to this point, And that is going to be Hop. So uh, Trex has this at number 10, and I have it at number 8. This one's just weird as hell. Because um, this is the second film they ever made. They just they didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, I still think they were... There obviously wasn't a lot of effort put into this, but it felt like they wanted to at least try to do something unique, so they thought, let's make a weird live-action animated hybrid 
Easter movie because we don't have enough of those. At least it's not like super bland, uh, just like every other film of theirs is. But it's just so weird, and I don't know how else to describe it. There's just why. Yeah, this definitely feels like the second Illumination movie, where the first one is a unique concept that is done pretty well, and then every film after Hop is just a total bland mess where they just don't care. This one, it's kind of in the middle, where interesting concept that uh, is kind of a mess, and they don't really care. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I kind of, you know, there's not that many Easter films. This is really the only Easter movie, which I do think is kind of interesting, and really that's the reason why I have it at eight. Uh, at least it did something. No other movie has really done Easter before, which is kind of insane, because after Christmas, you would think Easter's probably the most visually interesting holiday to do. I guess... Well, Halloween. Yeah, I was just about to say, uh, Halloween is probably another go-to. But, yeah, I'm shocked that we don't have any Easter films, except for this, really. So, unfortunately, when Easter comes around, this is the movie that my family watches. This is the movie that you would see on, like, you know, stupid TV channels, like on the networks. They got Hop playing, because it's Easter time, baby. And, uh, you know, it's fine. I think the film is relatively interesting. Something that I thought was pretty pretty funny in retrospect was I saw about... How long is this movie? An hour 45? An hour 50? Uh, it is 95 minutes. Oh, okay. So an hour 35. I believe I was about 55, maybe an hour into the movie. Uh, and then I took a break. I went back, I came back the day after to finish it. And when I was turning it on in my head, I thought, hmm, am I like only like 25 minutes into this movie? Because not much has really happened, actually. I, I, I thought I watched it quite a bit, but I must be pretty, like, you know, I must have just started this film. And then I turned it on and I saw that I've already watched an hour of it. And I thought, oh shit, uh, I've seen two thirds of this movie already and nothing has fucking happened. And that really is uh, the perfect encapsulation of this film where. It is an hour and 35 minutes, and you feel like 15 minutes of stuff happened. Like, this movie is a snail's pace of a film. It is pretty slow, considering it's about Easter, and there's so many crazy storylines going on, but it really amounts to nothing, and you kind of forget everything at the end of it. I, it's in this weird spot where, at the same time, everything is super weird, and everything just confuses me, but at the same time, I can't remember that much about it. One thing I do remember is that I think that the villain of this movie is way more sympathetic and likable than the hero, the dumb Easter Bunny guy. Because the Easter Bunny guy is just some spoiled rich kid who wants to go off on his dreams and be a mediocre drummer. Uh, and, then this, and then the villain is like, well, if he's not going to do it, why won't you let me do it? Uh, and then the guy just laughs at him because he doesn't value his employees. So what does he do? He he takes charge of the company and makes it good, I guess. But whatever, I felt bad for him because he wasn't even really that evil. He just wanted a promotion, but I guess because he's not the owner's son, he doesn't get it. Yeah, that's another really good point, that Hop is... Two very unlikable lead characters. Like, you know, 
The one slur is supposed to be an unlikable hero, uh, but compared to these two, uh, even though he destroyed almost an entire ecosystem, he, you know, he's not too bad in retrospect because uh, these two main guys, you know, EB, which is such a dumb name, is so stupid. He is like this rich, spoiled kid that wants to be a drummer and he doesn't care about the company. And even though, like you said, the employee who kind of stands up for himself and takes care of the job in his own hands because he actually likes working there and he actually wants to run this company. He has these aspirations. Ah, who gives a fuck? He's a stupid bird. Uh, birds are so dumb, guys. Bunnies, even though... Hoodwinked and Secret Life of Pets will tell you otherwise. Bunnies are fucking cool now. Everybody likes bunnies uh, in the hop world. And on the flip side, the other lead character, he also it's fucking sucks. Too. Fuck that guy. His entire family is like, are you going to do something with your life? You sack of shit. You're not even working. You're literally just hanging around here, mooching off of our food. Like, you're not doing anything. Even your younger sister is out here killing it at school. She's doing these great presentations. Your other sister has a great job. And his sister is even telling him, hey, I have a job for you, a job that you actually like, something that would be of interest to you. Please go to this interview. And he's like, eh, I might. I don't know. I was kind of planning on just like eating cereal today. So maybe tomorrow. And she's like, you fucking idiot. It's today. Just go today. I'm helping you. On a silver platter, she is helping him get a pretty solid job considering how useless this guy is. And he he's like, eh, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Like, he's a fucking bum. This dude sucks. So yeah, the two leads are pretty fucking terrible. At least he finally fi finds his calling when he decides to be the Easter Bunny. And I just like to think that I was just hoping that when this came out that that was what James Marston would be known for is that he will always, be, like, he'll get all these other roles in Hollywood, but he will always, first and foremost, be known as the Easter Bunny in that one shitty kid's film. And also, uh, I don't, I, what's the guy's name? James, you said? James Marsden, yeah. Yeah, uh, James and the rest of his family in this film. I don't know if you uh, saw my review for this, Trex. Their last name is the O'Hare, which is the same last name as our number two on our villain list, O'Hare from the Lorax. Well, I think the reason they're O'Hare is because it's an Easter bunny thing. Yeah, and then O'Hare in the, uh, in the Lorax, maybe because it rhymes with air? Right, but I see what you're saying. Connected universe, these are definitely the ancestors of the O'Hare we get in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I want to know. Did they, like, start the chocolate business, and then in the future, when all the trees died and stuff, they moved on to running the air business? Yeah, I like that the uh, the O'Hares are slowly taking over the Illumination film. If you needed one more reason to hate the dumb bunny and the dumb James Marsden, here you go. Yeah, well, honestly, that might make me love them more if they're connected to my boy O'Hare. Good for them, I guess. Uh, it, I really liked the ending. Speaking of the O'Hares, uh, the father really was trying to carry this film on his fucking back because I thought he was hilarious when he's constantly belittling his son for being a useless piece of shit, which he should because he kind of is a useless piece of shit. Uh, I absolutely died when the guy is like, oh, hey, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> my ride is here. I'm uh, running a new job, which he's super arrogant about. When, like, he's he's not even getting paid for this job. Like, what's he so proud about? Like, he's still a useless loser. I don't know why he thinks this is a big flex on his family, because it's not. 
Maybe he gets room and board at the chocolate factory. Yeah, so maybe he doesn't need... Yeah, he doesn't need to mooch off his family's food because he can just have infinite chocolate. So I guess that's one plus side of things. But he uh, brings his family to the front of the house and there's this giant Easter car, which looks fucking terrible. And the dad is like, wait, hold on, hold on, son. He like runs up to his son. Oh my God. I just want to let you know, I am so proud of you. Which is like... Is the wackiest thing ever. First of all, why the fuck would he be proud that his son is driving in that disastrous-looking vehicle? And second of all, it's not even a job. What's he proud about? What did he do? I thought that was so funny how the dad has this sudden heel turn because he sees his sick ride. Hey, to be fair, he also had a really cool suit on. That's true. Yeah, he he was rocking a suit. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought they, that dad was great. It's almost as if they just kind of gave up near the end and were like, we realize this is terrible, and they just wanted to move on to their next project. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what was their third film? Do, do you know? I don't know the order of these films. Yeah, it was either Despicable Me 2 or Lor- It was the Lorax. Oh, was it? Yeah. Wow, they really started off strong. <laughs> No wonder the Lorax is so much fun. I guess that makes sense, because uh, they still had a little bit of uh, enthusiasm when making films at that time. It's like a meter. It's slowly depleting as their company goes on. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Uh, I don't know if uh, Wesley would have been glowing if this was, like, their fifth film. Yeah. But, yeah, they still had a little juice left to squeeze, I guess. All right, we can move on to number 10 here, the second worst Illumination film, according to us, and that is going to be, if the fact of her is correct, is this not the best, uh, most successful film financially uh, without having any attached IP to it? And that would be Sing. Really? I believe my brother told me that uh, the uh, at the moment, the... Biggest opening for a film with non-IP attached to it was Sing. I don't know, maybe if not overall uh, most successful film, but maybe opening week had the biggest opening uh, for any non-IP movie. I'm not too sure, but apparently this film did break a few box office records in regards to being a solo project without any IP uh, financially, which has a bit of an asterisk in my mind because... The reason why people watch this film is IP, and it is all the iconic songs this film was doing. Yeah, so does it really count? Yeah, like, you know, I always thought it had a bit of an asterisk when I heard that fact. I was like, okay, but, like, in the same way people are watching Iron Man because they know Iron Man, people are watching this because they know the songs and they want to hear them in a movie. Like, I don't know. Uh, You know, but still, good fact for them, I guess. Good job, Sing. Too bad that's the only good job they get. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, that's the only thing I'll, the only good job I'll give it. Because, yeah, this movie is just a fucking drag. It's just a bunch of animals singing songs, and that's it. It is an American Idol that is scripted. Like, at least the, the best part about American Idol is you're watching this and going, oh, wow, these are real people. That person right there, they did a really great job singing the song, and they're a real person. Wow, they're really talented. Or, this person really sucks. I can't believe this is a real person. This is really cringy. And, and in this movie, it is, oh wow, this was scripted to be a bad singer, that was scripted to be a good singer, and that's the entire 
film. There is not a single individual song that they made for the movie. None of these characters have an actual arc. I feel like they try to have arcs for these characters, but I don't fucking see any arcs because it's just the same borderline, you know, the same one-dimensional storyline of, oh, wow, nobody appreciates me. I sure wish they could see how good I am at singing. Oh, great. They got to see me sing. And that's every character in this entire movie. I mean, uh, we said earlier that Secret Life of Pets was, Secret Life of Pets 2 was the most laziest of this. I think that Sing's the most corporate. Yeah. Um, it just feels like it was brewed in a lab to be as profit maximizing as possible because there's like a crap ton of celebrities here and each one of the characters is, you can tell is specifically designed to appeal to a different demographic. Like the gorilla is made for like edgy teenage boys. The Scarlett Johansson uh, porcupine is made for edgy teenage girls. The fat Nick Kroll pig is made for uh, kids who like random crap. The mom pig is for all the moms in the audience. The elephant is for all the shy people. And the Seth MacFarlane mouse is for all the older adults in the room who go, oh, I like Family Guy. I like this character. <laughs> and in the end, none of the characters actually win the singing competition because... If someone doesn't have their favorite character win, well, that would make them feel bad. We don't want that to happen, do we? Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's another reason why I have it at number 10. Secret Life of Pets 2 is probably one of the laziest films, or if not the laziest film I've ever seen. And you put it perfectly. This is the most corporate film I've ever seen. Like, this is just, it's painful. I genuinely hate this movie. Sing is absolutely atrocious it's just so one-dimensional it is so uninspired as you said it's very clearly marketed to as many people as possible and they're going to slap on as many iconic songs as possible as many celebrities as possible they literally tried everything they could to make this film successful and it worked unfortunately very unfortunately uh it worked uh they they made a lot of money off of this uh so they got what they wanted and that was to not make a movie but to make a profit i mean it's just bland every character has the exact same oh i want a dream thing because why write because they want seven characters like a bunch of characters to appeal to all these demographics but they don't want to make them unique so just give them all the same i want to be a pop star um, dream and most people I don't know most people but a lot of people seem to think that the gorilla is the best character and I think the reason for that is because at least his arc with him and his father feels like there's a little bit more to it than the rest of the characters I know a lot of people probably also hate him because none of these characters are that great but I don't know it's something yeah yeah it is something I watched this with my fiance, and we did have a pretty good laugh when the father broke out of jail just to go watch a concert. Like that was, like that was the one memorable moment of the whole movie because it was just so hilarious that he broke out of jail because he wanted to see his son on stage. Like it's just so funny to imagine breaking out of jail and then like stopping at like an Avril Lavigne concert or something. Like I just, I just don't get it. It was very funny to me, uh, and. Maybe for that alone, I do think the gorilla is definitely the best character, uh, and it's a it's a very low bar. 
he is he, he would not crack like the top 10 illumination characters which is a pretty low bar in and of itself like you wouldn't even crack that high on my list like i don't think he's a good character um but in comparison at least he does have something <laughs> i can agree with that another criticism that a lot of people pointed out is that when you actually look at this there's no real reason for these characters to be animals and I, this was this issue is definitely compounded by the fact that Zootopia came out the same year. Did but it? Same year, huh? 2016, I think. Wow, I did not know it was the same year. You look at these films, and in Zootopia, there's a clear reason why they're all animals, and it works for the story and themes of the film, but there's also just so many creative gags and visual details that work so well off of them being animals this fe- this doesn't feel like a human world with animals in it this feels like a truly animal world here it's just the human world except it's a pig and the gorilla just walking around and they never really play off of the fact that they are animals and it's like the only reason they made them animals is so that it's more marketable yeah yeah that's a really good point it is funny that they came up the same year because utopia does play into the animal world so well that it's probably the most interesting part about zootopia and because it's so interesting visually especially in animation sing could have visually at least been interesting the the story could have been the same and it could have been a total drag but at least visually they could have made it enjoyable if they made it play into the world with all these animals as the lead characters exactly if they were all humans uh it would have been the exact same story and visually it would have been the exact same really and it's kind of disappointing that this film once again similar to most themes with illumination they could have but they didn't you know uh they're gonna make the most money with the least amount of effort and uh would have making it even visually interesting would that have gotten them more butts and seats? Eh, probably not worth the time. It probably wouldn't have gotten them that much more butts and seats. They, they got all the people they needed. They made tons of money off of this. So why even try? That's uh that that's their mindset, and that's probably why I have it at ten. I I, I couldn't stand this movie. I thought I thought it was pretty painful. Maybe I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but there's like a quote from the the head of Illumination who just outright said, "We try to run our." Our, uh, our productions with the lowest cost possible. Really? Yeah. That's... <laughs> See, I don't know much about any of this Illumination stuff. I've seen... Ve- I watched all of this in a span of a few months. I'm not caught up with the culture of Illumination. That's hilarious. Honestly, kind of makes me like Illumination more. Yeah, they, they know what they're doing. And they <laughs> yeah, care. at least they're honest, you know? At least they're not bullcrapping us. Uh, at least they're honest about uh, their intent. They seem real confident about this new Mario movie, though. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I was debating on holding this off until December to discuss Minions 2 and Mario because I, I do want to discuss the Mario movie, but I got so much going on in December, I don't got time to discuss a bunch of Illumination films. But man, Mario would have been interesting. Well, I, like I said, it got delayed to 2023, though. Oh, did it? Yeah. Dang. I had no idea. Yeah. See, this is how much I follow Illumination. I don't even know. I, they pop up, and I go, oh, yeah, I forgot this was coming. Um, 
That's fine. As opposed to you, though, I am very hooked into all their channels. <laughs> Good. All right. You'll be my illumination expert. If I have any questions, I'll give you a call on the podcast. I'll be in the middle of like, talking about Mario, and I'll be like, wait a second. Trex will know when it's released. Let me quickly give him a call. Oh, yeah. It's releasing uh, April 23rd, 2023. April? They pushed it back that far? I just I pulled the date out of my ass. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't actually know the date. Okay. All right. Yeah, that seems a little... I would have guessed like February, like maybe just two months or something. It's like early 2023, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I, I am intrigued by that film. I, I am intrigued because I love Mario. Mario's my favorite uh, video game character. I'm not a big video game guy, but the only games I'll play is the new Mario games. I'm a basic bitch when it comes to video games. You know how like there's the basic bitch film guys where they just watch whatever superhero movie is playing, maybe a Pixar or two, and they call it a day. That's me with video games, right? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of big video game guys out there that are looking at me and going, this basic bitch, he plays Mario Odyssey and calls it a day? Does he not realize uh, the intricacies of, I don't know what current game is playing, uh, Call of Duty 12 or something? You know, uh, I know nothing about... (laughs) Yeah, I know nothing about video games. Uh, so Mario is the only thing I know, and man, I've always wanted a Mario movie. I always thought it'd be super fun, but uh, Illumination holding it, uh, you know, uh, it's it's gonna be a stinker. I mean, I'm a massive uh, Nintendo fan boy. Yeah, uh, I love all their stuff. I've always been hoping that one day we would get a Legend of Zelda Studio Ghibli movie. Oh, obviously, yeah. never gonna happen. But that would be I'm good. glad they found Nintendo found a good place for them to make movies i guess that casting announcement was just iconic it was pretty great uh i I did talk about this on the podcast with my brother when they announced the cast but which casting choice was your favorite that's tough i mean i think the the one like legitimately good or just so hilarious Uh, either or either or i think legitimately hilarious is uh chris pratt because i actually i actually like chris pratt i watched a lot of parks and rec but i think he can be a really good actor but i just think there's just no connection there i can't see him pulling off a good voice even though they've recently said man all the criticism will go away once you hear his voice for this film but it's just i don't think that would work very well uh but in terms of good actual casting i actually think charlie day as luigi Mm -hmm. can actually work yeah, yeah, I agree that uh, Chris Pratt as Mario is definitely the funniest. Uh, that that or maybe uh, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Those two are both on the same level of just what were they thinking when they picked these people? It's pretty hilarious. I agree with you. I used to really like Chris Pratt because I loved him in Parks and Rec. I love him in the Lego Movie. I liked him in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I think I'm kind of just getting a little sour on him. I'm I'm kind of done with the Pratt hype. Uh, I don't think he's going to be good in this role at all, but hey, I haven't heard his voice of Mario, so I'm ready to be blown away. Uh, but the, right. yeah, but the, the Charlie Day is Luigi, and uh, I kind of think Jack Black as Bowser is kind of fun. I think that is a pretty fun movie version of Bowser. I think they can have a lot of fun with it. Oh, yeah, that, that's great. And there's also like Keegan Michael Key as Toad. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like, there's some fun ones. Yeah. I mean, I, I also just think that Mario is supposed to be a character that says basically nothing, so to have right. him carry a whole movie sounds like a bad idea. 
yeah, the movie's going to be disastrous. Uh, despite some of these casting choices being kind of fun, uh, I have no faith in Illumination. Uh, but who knows? Maybe in like a year's time, I'll regret doing this podcast so early because I would want to praise the high heavens of Super Mario at number one for this list. Who knows? I hope so. I hope so too. I Hey, I want nothing but good movies to come out. I hope for the best for all of these. Uh, speaking of hoping for the best, uh, I'm hoping <laughs> for uh, Minions 2 to be good because in last place, the worst film, according to us from Illumination, uh, mostly according to you, we have in 11th place, Minions. Uh, I have it at 9 and you have it in 11th place. I, I just think there's nothing to this film because the... The minions are not meant to be main characters of anything. They are simple one-off gag characters that already in their own franchise, in the main franchise, Despicable Me, they were overdone and overplayed. So now what do you do? You give them their whole movie where they have to carry the whole movie. And I think right there they should have realized, wow, this is not going to work at all. Except it totally did work because it made them money. Yeah. Uh, Which isn't a surprise, but there's... There's just nothing to say. It's so. It's just so dumb because the whole plot is just, car- just carried by their randomness. None of the other characters are that memorable. I think they go to London or something, and one of them becomes the king, and there's the one lady who's mad at them. I, I don't know. Yeah, this movie sucks. Like, it's not great. It's so uninspired that it's pretty pretty forgettable. It, it's it's pr- like I don't remember much about this film, and I'm kind of grateful for it. I'm okay with not really remembering anything about it. I remember the villain in this being the worst of the four Despicable Me universe villains. I find she's pretty pretty rough. I don't think she's very great. Well. El Macho is only in it for like 30 minutes, so maybe the lack of his camera time would affect it, but I don't know. I find the villain in this to be a bit of a snoozer, and that's kind of the worst part. Minions, I know it might sound crazy, but because it's such an iconic IP at this point, it could work if you have a vector as the villain, and you basically make the villain be just as crucial to the movie as the minions themselves. Like, have these guys keep foiling the villain's plans consistently is kind of a good idea. Like, I think it could be pretty fun, maybe even more enjoyable than watching Gru at this point because his story arc is just so painful uh, by the time we've reached the third film that uh, I could see a concept where a bunch of minions just constantly thwarting the villain and we're kind of just following the villain's viewpoint of just constantly being outsmarted by these idiots could be enjoyable and i kind of saw that in this movie i saw potential for this garbage to be polished a little they just didn't polish it and it just stayed as a piece of garbage uh and to be fair when i say it could be good i mean like it could be like instead of a one out of ten maybe like a three out of ten like uh, it could be bearable i don't think minions could ever really work as a genuine film but the way they went about this movie just didn't even work in the right way. Like, there was nothing fun about this movie. It was pretty painful to sit through the entire time. Uh, It is kind of embarrassing that this film made a billion dollars and made over a billion dollars. How many films have reached that line? It's like 45, right? That's my guess. 
I would think so. Billion dollars. Yeah, a billion is embarrassing. Like this and Fallen Kingdom have both made over a billion dollars. I I couldn't believe it. And to and to think, Trex, in the beginning of 2022, about five months ago, I didn't realize Fallen Kingdom and Minions made a billion dollars. I lived in a peaceful bliss. I just you know I thought. Unicorns and rainbows were real. Well, I guess rainbows are real. But, you know, I lived in a nice little peaceful mindset of life is good. You know, uh, some blockbusters are some stinkers, but uh, the, the real bad garbage films, they don't make a billion bucks. We live in a world where people know that sometimes we should respect filmmaking, right? And then, uh, you know, over the course of the last three months, I've realized... Minions and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom both made over a billion dollars. Yeah, I've kind of started to lose faith in humanity uh, over the last few months. It's been a pretty, you know, I'm, this is really my therapy session, Trax. It's, it's been a downward spiral for me. Uh, it's, it's kind of sad that we live in a world where Minions is a uh, billion dollar grocer. Uh, good for them, I guess. I mean, I, I hate to say that I almost certainly contributed to that. <laughs> Uh, back in the day and you know to be fair i contributed to fallen kingdom i definitely saw that in theaters so we're both guilty we can you know unlike the wolf from sing 2 we have to sleep with a heavy conscience we i i'm not gonna be able to go to sleep tonight i haven't slept since i think another aspect of this film that i'm i don't know if i necessarily give it crap for but i just think is kind of odd is based on the first movie you would think that, and this was also what they were going for, because I remember as a kid, I watched the D, or like some bonus features on the, on the DVD. They said that the minions were, you're supposed to assume that they were made in Gru's lab, because I, you know, that kind of makes sense. Right. So I just think it's weird that they went with the whole, they've been here in all of history. I thought that was kind of a weird aspect, but it was also kind of fun at the beginning. Although I imagine that they probably wanted to avoid... Because the whole shtick with them is, oh, they're serving the worst masters. I imagine they skipped out on some people who would be considered the worst masters throughout history. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and honestly, uh, that's kind of why, I, even though I hate this movie, I definitely think it's better than Sing and Secret Life of Pets 2. Uh, this is probably like the famously the worst illumination movie like this is the one where when people point to illumination they go yeah but they made minions like this is kind of the default answer of true garbage but i i kind of think the first 10 or so minutes where they visit all these famous villains from history past i think that's i i thought it was kind of fun i, I thought it was a pretty comedic uh 10 minutes at least you know at least they thought of something at least they had like a fun idea uh, they did not have that for uh, Secret Life of Pets too. Like at least this had an idea, but uh, unfortunately, it peaked very early because the rest of the film is, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's it's pretty tough. I, I get that logic, um, but I just think that there's nothing to work with this film. There's no because each of the Illumination films prior, there was at least one thing I could point to and say, okay, that was solidly done. I just. I kind of did that before, but if I'm being 100% serious, I don't know if I can really do that for anything in this movie because it just feels like the bare minimum you have to do for a movie for it 
to constitute a movie. Just about as thin of a story as you can get, as bland of characters as you can get. I mean, yeah, maybe Secret Life of Pets 2 fits that bill more, but to me, I think just Minions, it, eh, I don't know if I'd say it tried less, but it feels like it did just because it's attached to this uh, franchise that honestly started off pretty solid, but the fact that they whittled the franchise down to just this, this is what we're left with, I think is just kind of sad. Yeah, it, it is pretty sad. Uh, the film definitely could have been something, but but they just don't care. Like, they don't care. Uh, I do kind of want to ask you this question because it's been haunting me. You know, I've been losing a lot of sleep because I paid to watch Fallen Kingdom, but I have been losing sleep as well, trying to figure out what happened with Kevin because in the film, he gets really big and he eats a bomb, right? And then he grabs the villain and they go up to the sky and they blow up together. But then he comes back down and he's fine. And he comes back down as like a normal-sized minion at this point. And I just, I don't understand it. Obviously, the writers didn't really think about it. But is there any logical explanation you have, Trex, where Kevin had a bomb inside him, it blew up, so it went through him and then killed the evil villain lady, a spoiler to anybody that didn't want to be spoiled on the ending of Minions, but like, the, yeah, but like the bomb like went through Kevin and he somehow survived that. I just don't understand how the writers, even for a second, thought he somehow survived that explosion. Okay, I, I got this. I actually got a pretty good explanation. Oh, okay. Um, so at the beginning of the film, it's shown that the minions are spawned from the sea, right? They're basically sea creatures that evolved to walk on land, mm-hmm. right? So what I think happened is that they are actually descended from starfish. And if, you know, if you cut the, the limb off of a starfish, then it spawns into another being. That's what happened. Kevin was blown to bits, and then one of his arms or some shit, it spawned a new Kevin in that moment because evolution or some shit. I like it. You know what? If anybody asks me... Uh, what happened at the end of that movie now? I don't know who would, but that, that will be my new canon answer. That That's official in my mind. I believe. Starfish theory. Yeah, minions are starfish. I, I kind of like that. So uh, one final question before we wrap it up, since we are on the talk of minions. Obviously, uh, it kind of works well that we ended with the movie that is setting up the new film that's coming out. Uh, obviously, we're recording this beforehand. I'm going to be releasing this after uh, Minions 2 comes out. I just want to get your thoughts on this. So my brother and I have both been doing this summer box office countdown where we are predicting the box office for all the summer releases this year. I made the bold prediction uh, against my brother. My brother predicted that Minions 2 is going to bomb. It is not going to do well. I believe since the first Minions did so well and because people don't know what a good movie is, I think Minions 2 is going to do extremely well. Do you think it's going to outperform Lightyear? Because Lightyear uh, just came out a week or so ago. Uh, It was a big debate on the podcast. Tristan, my brother, said Lightyear will definitely beat it. I said Minions 2 will definitely beat it. Where do you fall on this side? Pixar or Illumination? Like which one do I think will make more money? Make more money. Uh, Not quality, obviously. We know the answer to that. But money-wise... I think that Illumination will beat it out, but 
just barely. And here's my reasoning. I think that it has been too long since the last Despicable Me product. That was five years ago. Whereas, like, when Despicable Me was hot, they were pumping out a movie, like, every two years. But since we've had to wait that long, and I imagine since then, a lot of people who grew up with those movies have grown up now and just aren't interested in them. Maybe kids nowadays don't even know what a minion is. And thus, well, why would they go to see it? Yeah, it is true. It has been a bit of a... It has been a long time, and it's not like people ended on a high note, right? It's not like the most recent minion film really got people pumped for some more minion content. So, you know, it's a bit of a question. Uh, you know, I hope I, I'm right. I'm rooting for Minions 2 just so I can win the bet. I, I would also, because it's the end of the pocket, I would like to also just briefly bring up, uh, we already talked about the Mario movie, we already talked about Minions Rise of Guru. There's actually two more, well, technically three more uh, upcoming Illumination films that I'd like to take note of. Really? First is uh, obviously Despicable Me 4. Um, I think we kind of know that that's not going to be good. Then there's an untitled film, which is developed in conjunction with, guess who? Pharrell Williams. Which, if there's one thing I will give the first Despicable Me film a lot of crap for, it's that, from what I can tell, it's what encouraged Pharrell Williams that he should make movie soundtracks, which led to a lot of really bad films. <laughs> wait, wait, what, uh, what else has what else has he done? I don't, I don't know this guy. Uh, uh, like he's like you know the one song, like the one. Well, there's like the song that has the lyric like "Despicable Me" in it. Right. You know, no, no, no. Also, yeah, no. I know what he did in "Despicable Me," but like, what other movies has he done? Um. I can't think of much. He did The Lion King 2019. Oh. And most infamously, he worked with Hans Zimmer on both that movie and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. All right. All right. This guy's got a bit of a legacy. Man, I should do a Farrell. Is that his name? Farrell Williams? Farrell Williams. Yeah. Farrell Williams. Farrell. Pharrell Williams uh, ranking. I, you know, I should uh, do a podcast on him. He seems like a keeper. Absolutely. But <laughs> the real reason I wanted to bring this up is because there's this other movie in their lineup called Migration, which I am actually interested in because I think it could be good. Oh, and the right. reason is because the director of it is not, in fact, Chris Renaud, who directs most of these films. He is actually the director. He's a French director who made, uh, I don't know if you've seen these movies, uh, Ernest and Celestine. No, okay, it's a really beloved uh, 2D film from France that's really good. And he also made this really. It was, it was uh, nominated for best animated feature. And he also made this other film that is uh, really underrated in my opinion, called The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales. My point is, I think he's like a really great director, and I think it's so weird that Illumination for some reason got him of all people hmm. and i don't know i think there's there might be something decent here if he's behind it yeah i'm interesting i was really shocked at the three you listed off i thought you were for sure gonna say secret life of pets three sing three and despicable me four i really thought they were just gonna keep making the same three movies so 
It's also kind of promising that it sounds like two of the three are going to be new movies for them uh because i'm much more interested in a new film even if it sucks like the first sing movie than i would be in another sequel so you know uh that's promising maybe it's like how in the 2010s pixar was just putting out all sequels and then we find then in the 2020s we got a lot more original films maybe it's like that with yeah illumination with they were just pumping out sequels and now we're getting the good stuff that's a good point. Uh, Illumination, kind of a weird way, is having the same trajectory as Pixar, where, yeah, the 2010s were basically all sequels, and the 2020s, uh, Pixar has only made original content, you know, if you can call it Lightyear original. At least it's more original than Incredibles 2. Uh, and it looks like Illumination, maybe after Minions 2, is uh, going to have the same fate. The, the future is looking bright. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, future is looking bright because. We got a bunch of yellow guys in Minions 2. Should, should, should I see that in theaters? Uh, hey, up to you. I wouldn't be caught dead. <laughs> you know, imagine a full-grown dude in a beard watching Minions 2. Uh, I would be, like, reported and sent to the police station after the movie was over. I, uh, I wouldn't be allowed to come back. So I would uh, not go. I went to that uh, film, the, the the Bad Guys, and I had that same feeling, like, I don't belong here. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I try not to watch too many animated films in theaters, uh, unless it's Pixar. I, I think Pixar always has that, that exception. I, you, don't, you don't look too weird if you're watching a Pixar movie. Yeah, you, you kind of get away with it. Uh, I think Onward's the only animated film I've seen in theaters in about four years. So, you know, I, I don't go too often. I've seen a decent amount of animated films in theaters, but that's because I go to, like, every anime movie. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, sorry, I also saw Toy Story 4 in theaters, so I guess if it's Pixar, uh, I'll probably go check it out. If not, uh, I'm, I guess I'm part, I'm part of the problem. I should be supporting a lot of uh, animated films, because, you know, uh, they, they do tend to be some of my favorites. Yeah, it's like the Lorax taught you. If you... You're part of the problem. <laughs> That's really true. If you watch the Illumination version. That's true. Lorex did teach me about a lot of stuff, uh, and that was one of them. Man, imagine watching the Lorax in theaters. That would have been a blast. Oh, I did, and it was. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. Uh, I'm jealous. I really am. Uh, I, I, that would have been a pretty fun one to watch in theaters. Uh, if they ever okay. uh, bring that back. You know, they always bring back the classics, right? So in about 20 years, they're... They'll definitely bring back the Lorax to theaters. I'll, I'll go then. Yeah, I gathered up all my friends. Because uh, I, was, I was visiting my old hometown that I had moved away from. And we all got together, got our big buckets of popcorn, and went to watch the Lorax. It was a blast. That's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, in 20 years, I'll bring all my friends, which will just be my fiancé. And that's about it. And we'll watch the Lorax. So uh, that's everything on our end. Uh, where can people follow you, Drex? Oh, um, I don't know if I want to say my Instagram, but uh, Letterboxd is Zombie Trex. Yeah, that's that's what I'm called. It's on my birth certificate, even. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. His first name Zombie. His last name's Trex. Perfect. Well, uh, we'll see you when we do another uh, animated ranking, I'm sure. You're, you're our go-to animation expert. 
All right, I'm down for anything. Which company point. made Horton Hears a Who? Do, do you know that one? Blue Sky. Blue Sky? <laughs> do, you, do you really want to follow up Illumination with Blue Sky, though? Yeah, maybe we'll take a break in between. I don't know if we need both of them back to back. But, uh, How about DreamWorks? But Yeah, that's true. I have not done DreamWorks yet. That, that might, yeah, that's probably the next go-to. Um, I think you're right there. Yeah, just, just not Blue Sky. Yeah, it'll, it'll take a little break with Blue Sky. But uh, someday, uh, I need to talk about Horton Hears a Who, because that is like the Lorax. That's an unsung masterpiece. Just burning a hole in your pocket? You just need to bring it out? <laughs> yeah, that'll be my last podcast ever. When, when, like, when I'm at like the ripe age of like 50, I'll, uh, I'll end my, my legacy with a Horton Hears the Who deep dive. I think that's the plan. Yeah. All right, I'll be right there to listen to it. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. Bye.